You're listening to Festival Grass. A podcast diving into the business and culture of the music festival world. Well, welcome everybody to the newscast in this week's edition. Festival season 2021 is packed into two weekends, but is it realistic? Three ways technology can help revive the music industry. Why Underplayed is an important but flawed documentary on misogyny and EDM. Burning Man tells camps to start planning for possible 2021 event. New survey reveals COVID-19 has influenced DJs to stop pursuing music careers. But first, music festivals in 2021, where are we headed? Among the many ifs and whats surrounding this year of 2021, the second year of the COVID-19 pandemic, what the future holds for live concerts and festivals is a mystery for many music fans everywhere. Although virtual music events and other remote entertainment experiences are taking off amidst the pandemic lockdowns, there will likely be a return to in-person shows once things finally return back to normal. After all, there's nothing quite like the experience of attending a beloved artist's concert or enjoying a major music festival in person. One of the most interesting changes to come out of the current situation was the sudden plunge into the virtual world. Remote work, schooling, and even virtual hobbies quickly became a thing. Of course, remote avenues existed before the pandemic, but no one could have anticipated an event like COVID-19 forcing society into the virtual way of life we all know now. This is mostly thanks to the strides in technology we've made throughout the years. However, while this new virtual world has worked out for many industries, it isn't a one-size-fits-all solution. For certain industries, such as music and the arts, the current tech-based direction society is rapidly accelerating towards isn't necessarily the answer. Music, most will agree, is powerful for a variety of reasons. Music can make us feel a wide range of emotions, bring back fond memories, and most importantly, help us feel human. This means that while our world continues to see the jobs becoming completely tech-based, the music industry is likely to remain safe from this new direction of automation. Furthermore, not only is music a human creation, but everything else that helps make concerts and festivals such an amazing experience for fans is often human-made too. Think of all the eye-catching stage costumes, well-crafted makeup and hair looks and choreography. All these things rely on the creative skills of humans. These complementary professions and others in the entertainment industry, such as makeup artists and writers, thrive automation-free and only help the music industry grow. While it is certainly possible to have a mostly automated concert, including a cyber singer, there will always be listeners who prefer the human nature of concerts, festivals, and more. This year, we have at least an idea of what we're up against in regards to the COVID-19 virus. After nearly a full year of stay-at-home orders, remote working and learning, as well as masks and social distancing guidelines, we're finally seeing vaccines becoming accessible to the public and picking up steam. As the direction of the pandemic shifts and changes with the rollout of vaccines, as well as new COVID-19 variants popping up throughout the world, it's still hard to know what to expect. The majority of the world is at a point in the pandemic where attending events such as live concerts is still extremely risky. However, the future remains full of musical possibilities and adventures. Today, places all over the world have been working to invent new ways to safely enjoy things like concerts and festivals. In the UK, they were able to host their first social distance concert, where fans watched the show in a group of five on platforms, safely distanced from other groups. 
In Germany, they tested an indoor concert setting that involved sufficient ventilation, strict hygiene protocols, and limited capacity with great success. The pandemic has caused a number of changes within the world. It's impacted the everyday lives of people forever. But as 2021 unfolds, it's worth remembering that music and the joy it brings to us, whether virtually or in person, will always remain. And one day, and one day, when COVID-19 is no longer a threat, you can begin planning your first festival post-pandemic. New survey reveals COVID-19 has influenced DJs to stop pursuing music careers. Tough times for live performers amid the pandemic have caused some to rethink their path altogether. One year into the safety regulations and social distancing measures amid the pandemic, the news that many DJs and other live performers have had to change career paths may still come as a shock to some, but it's an ugly truth in a lockdown world. According to a new survey by Pirate.com, 70% of responding DJs in the United Kingdom have been forced to retrain in other fields. While 29% of DJs have moved into music production, a whopping 26% of respondents shared that the pandemic has made them less likely to pursue a career in the music industry altogether. I was running club nights in Glasgow, said one anonymous respondent. After cancellation clauses in contracts and flight companies going bankrupt, we've lost everything we'd invested in the brand. Though some of the survey's respondents felt that a forced reset in the music and live events industry had brought about a positive and significant cultural change, a staggering 54% of DJs suffered financial losses in 2020. Many took the time off to hone their DJ and music production skills, but others have retrained and taken on new career paths entirely. While the future remains uncertain, Many have faith in the UK's roadmap COVID-19 exit strategy and are hopeful that things pan out for a full reopen of clubs and venues in June 2021. Coachella skips fall shifts to April 2022. So the Coachella Music and Arts Festival will be moving its date from October 2021 to April 2022. So that is now four times that they've officially changed their dates. According to sources, the initial reason for the postponement to October is due to the ongoing uncertainty of the COVID-19 pandemic. Although various events and festivals plan to take place this summer in the States, organizers are taking safety precautions. The festival sees a mass attendance each year, ranging from 100,000 attendees per day on each weekend. Quote, there's a big difference between having two weekends of Coachella in California and throwing a country festival in Florida, a source tells Variety. Live Nation is expecting outdoor events to return in the U.S. beginning in late summer 2021. Now, we know that California has stricter rules than, say, Florida. So wherever you are in the world, check your local news and check with your local authorities to find out if mass gatherings will be allowed this year. That will tell you the story as to if your favorite festival will take place in 2021. Tomorrowland officially moves to the end of August. So Tomorrowland is making official what has been rumored for the past two weeks. The weekend will be on August 27th, 28th, and 29th, and the second weekend, September 3rd, 4th, and 5th. That means that, yes, Tomorrowland Weekend 1 will coincide with Creamfields and Mysteryland. Weekend 2 is Labor Day weekend, which means it will also clash with EDC Mexico, ASOT 1000, and Electric Zoo. So this is great news. Now, Tomorrowland also did receive a 1.8 million euro grant or loan. I'm not sure if they have to repay it back, but this is incredible support by Belgium for their live events industries and essentially propping up Tomorrowland, making them comfortable 
to start planning a live festival. And we don't know the capacity of it yet, whether it will be reduced or not. Um, however, they will likely have all the necessary protocols in place uh, for safety in our new era of live events now. But this is good news. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to our deep dives, our monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. Why Underplayed is an important but flawed documentary on misogyny in EDM. Stacey Lee's first featured length documentary, Underplayed, focuses on gender representation with a particular focus on one grim statistic. Of Billboard's 2019's list of the top 100 DJs, only five were women. Shot over a six-month EDM festival season, Underplayed demonstrates women's long legacy in electronic music and weaves together intimate anecdotal stories of the sexism women continue to face today. It's an important film that brings to the mainstream attention an issue that has been roiling the electronic music industry for decades. Yet for all of its clarion calls, underplayed, well, underplays the beating heart of the problem, which is the people at the top who are still perpetuating the gender inequality. A core theme in Underplayed speaks to the slow erosion of self-esteem that comes with endlessly trying to prove yourself in spaces dominated by men. Household names are not immune. In the film, synth pioneer Suzanne Shiani recalls that while working for modular synth inventor Don Bucala in the 70s, she was uninvited from one of his classes purely because she was a woman. Quote, they just were used to being amongst themselves and they wanted it to stay that way, she says of her experience. Underplayed also unpacks DJ producer Nightwave's 2019 Boiler Room set where she recalls being, quote, groped mid-set and then met with online death threats and comments like, whose girlfriend is this? And implications, she got the gig by giving sexual favors to the bookers. I pushed music away because I felt maybe I don't deserve to do this, she says of her resulting anxieties. Horrifically, the YouTube comments on Underplayed's trailer echoed the same sexist sentiments. The film's strength lies in the generosity and intimacy of the women producers who speak openly of their experiences. Among them, Jamaican queer producer TYGA Pow and her collaborators talk about the erasure of peoples of color's legacy in dance music and the difficulty of thriving in an industry that often actively seeks to silence and appropriate their experiences. One such collaborator, queer rapper and producer Robot Moonjuice, says, if you've never had to act like somebody else for your own safety or for your own comfort, you could never understand what it's like to let yourself go to the beat. And this is a critical point. For many people of color, women, and LGTB plus folk, the creation of dance and electronic music cultures were a means of survival, a response to volatile conditions of racism, transphobia, homophobia, and sexism. For trans composers, the act of creating electronic soundscape may have provided a refuge from the pressures of the world, leading to some great success. In an invasive interview with Playboy in 1979, Wendy Carlos, the Kubrick-scoring synthesis trailblazer, said the experiences of withholding her trans identity, quote, might have encouraged my work, my escape into the world of thought and music and science and technology. However, the makeup of those electronic cultures originally created for survival are rarely represented at major festivals. In a 2020 feature for Mixmag, 
DJ and broadcaster Jaguar wrote, quote, The intimate world first built by LGBTQ plus communities and people of color is now begrudgingly and overwhelmingly white, male, and middle class, as are the inner workings of the music industry. And where underplayed falls short is that most of the pioneers featured are white women. Black voices such as influential Detroit house legend Stacey Hotwax Hale are neglected. I beg people to take advantage of me. I'm here to tell the stories, Hale told Jaguar last year. The Bud Light-funded film also leans on an oversimplified and seductive conclusion that gender parity and lineup quotas will exercise sexism in electronic music cultures. Representation absolutely matters, but it becomes a shallow goal when the onus of eliminating sexist behaviors falls solely on the women who have a seat at the table, not on the perpetrators of sexism themselves. People with curatorial powers and taste-making power need to take a hard look within their workplaces, asking themselves, what does the culture of my festival look like? How do the artists, crew, and punters interact with one another? Are there subtle, seemingly innocuous behaviors that deter certain people from entering or thriving within the space I'm cultivating? A Live Nation representative says candidly and underplayed, quote, there's not a lot of women currently out there who have made big names for themselves. At the end of the day, we're a business and we need to sell tickets. If anti-sexism work isn't going to bring the industry leaders more money, I feel very doubtful they'll invest in it. That said, Underplayed marks a crucial step forward because it speaks to a broad audience about the lived reality of sexism experienced by women working as DJs, producers, and electronic artists. It proves empowering, validating, and at times deeply heartening for anyone who has experienced misogyny in music scenes and beyond. Burning Man tells camps to start planning for possible 2021 event. It's not an announcement or confirmation, but the Burning Man project has sent a gentle nudge to theme camps to start planning and giving deadlines for those wanting placement. The rush to start scheduling large-scale events again is officially underway. But any big event taking place is still contingent on state and local authorities willing to give permits for gatherings. For the annual Arts Bacchanalia, known as Burning Man, that also includes federal authorities as the event takes place on federally owned land. But the Burning Man project has quietly announced to camps to start planning for a possible 2021 burn and issued them deadlines if they want to designate placement on the event's makeshift streets. In a normal year, Burning Man tickets would go on sale in early April with pre-registration and burner profile updating going on essentially now in late March. The Burning Man project is still officially unsure whether they're having a 2021 event, and some big theme camps have already backed out. But they sent an email to large camp organizers this week telling them it was time to start planning if they wanted prime placement for the event, which typically happens over Labor Day weekend. Consider this a gentle nudge to start talking about your camps again and see how they're thinking about Burning Man this year, says the email from the event's placement team. This is the time to consider how your camp wants to burn this year, even if it means not returning to Black Rock City. We don't expect any particular outcome, except that you do what you feel is best for you and your camp. The Burning Man project clarifies that, quote, this guidance is not just for the larger theme camps, but for all camps in Black Rock City. We place approximately 1,200 theme camps and villages all over the city, not just along the Esplanade or other high-traffic areas. The email does not mention the go-or-no-go no go decision organizers said last month would come to no later than the end of May, 
but has several other dates and deadlines. These are only relevant to the theme camps, so they can start planning for directed group sales or large blocks of advanced tickets for their core team and members. Those who want such placement are told they need to submit an early placement decision form by the end of the month. There is no announcement on when ticket sales would begin for the general public. The email also notes that declining to participate in a theoretical 2021 event would not affect a camp's eligibility for Primo placement in 2022. So should a Burning Man 2021 actually happen, it will likely be smaller than the event's typical 80,000 attendee rager. The Burning Man Project's February announcement said that some of the measures we're evaluating for Black Rock City include proof of vaccination, rapid on-site testing, antibody verification, and negative test verification. So nothing has been decided yet, but some combination of the above is likely to be required to return to BRC in 2021. Would you like to be on the show if you or someone you know is a journalist with a relevant article topic or can speak to a story we have covered, please click or forward the guest sign-up link in the show notes. We'd love to have you on. Don't be shy. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Three ways technology can help revive the music industry. So despite lingering effects of the pandemic, many industries are returning to some semblance of normality. However, there is one that has been struggling to get back on its feet, and that is music. With social distancing and capacity limitations in place, concerts and festivals such as Glastonbury have become inviolable with many top artists and bands canceling or postponing their live shows. In the context of a world which is becoming ever more connected, we are starting to see more technology being integrated into the industry. Here are a few examples of technologies that can help the music industry and festival industry get off the canvas and rise to new heights in the wake of the pandemic. Smart gates. If concerts and festivals are to return soon, the key to this will be how organizers manage fans as they enter arenas and venues. With an emphasis on social distancing, live music event organizers could look to implement technology being used in other sectors to improve the safety and accessibility of their events. For example, in aviation, there has been an increase in the number of airports utilizing e-gates to improve the flow of passengers, that is, using biometric verification at the gate to identify travelers. Through this technology, airports have been able to cut down queues, limit costs, and offer a high level of security. With music events, needing to keep fans socially distanced and queues to a minimum, the integration of smart gates to help simplify entry and exit for customers could be a strong tool to improve the accessibility and safety of music events around the world. Wearable tickets and devices. In a similar vein to smart e-gate technology, wearable connected tickets could offer live music event organizers a convenient way to manage fans safely and efficiently. Wearable tickets would allow concertgoers to enter events with limited hassle, simply verifying themselves at the event gates using a bracelet containing an RFID chip, which transfers a customer's information to a connected server upon entry. As well as having the potential to significantly cut down queue times, wearable tickets could also be connected to a custom application that can share information about where the concertgoers are in the frenzy of the festival, enabling fans to navigate vast festival arenas and find their friends with little trouble. What's more, concertgoers could be equipped with wearable devices such as embedded LED lights to add a new level of fan experience at live events. For example, during Taylor Swift's 2015 tour, 
fans were given LED bracelets, which, through infrared technology, lit up in sync with the music and with the cadence of the fans' movements. The result? A light show powered by the Internet of Things. Next, thermal cameras. With the health of concertgoers, musicians, and staff being at the highest priority for organizers, utilizing technology that can limit the transmission of any disease at an event could be instrumental in reviving the industry. Once again, drawing from the aviation industry, thermal cameras have been used in detecting potential health risks in airports. By measuring travelers' body temperatures while they navigate through the airport, staff have been able to quickly detect if a passenger is having a high temperature, allowing them to swiftly notify them and have them exit the airport. Moreover, these cameras can monitor if travelers are wearing face masks, ensuring disease prevention protocols are maintained. With concerts and festivals, usually involving vast oceans of people in close proximity with each other, the ability to quickly detect and remove potential transmission risks as well as ensure the use of face coverings would be invaluable. With the use of thermal cameras, organizers can achieve these two goals, ultimately providing a safe environment for fans and staff attending the event. Now, I don't know how you feel about all of that. Many will say that these added systems can potentially be an overreach to privacy. Now, these obviously are not regular cameras, these are thermal cameras. However, the detection of face masks is an interesting add-on to a thermal camera um, that technically would make it a scanner of some sort. So I don't know what else it could pick up, but it doesn't really sound like many would be that interested in this. Now, the one thing you could say is that, well, essentially you're going into a public space. This is not a realm of privacy anyways. If you have your photo taken at a festival, you can't claim that, you know, you're photo should not be taken. You are basically accepting to be in a public sphere the moment you enter a festival. So this will be interesting to see how people will accept these terms and conditions going forward. The one thing is for sure here, everyone, that we, we're going to have to adjust to a balance of what we consider our rights to freedom and invasions of privacy and overreach to the acknowledgement that we have a part to play in reducing the risk of this virus affecting those most vulnerable in our society. We're trying to protect other human beings' lives by not being careless and uncaring. A little compromise is not too much to ask. At the end of the day, we all just want to go dance again. Pascal Rotella says nothing has changed with EDC Las Vegas dates. The Insomniac founder also promised a more comprehensive update, quote, soon. The dates of the 2021 edition are May 21st to 23rd. However, considering the extensive planning it takes to organize a music festival of this scale, a postponement seems like the most logical move for Insomniac amid the uncertainty of the pandemic. In 2019, the festival hosted around 450,000 people at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway over the course of its three days. In a follow-up tweet, Rotella noted that Insomniac has chosen backup dates if the May dates are scrapped, but refrained from divulging them. If we're not able to do the show in May, then we have backup dates ready and refunds if you can't make our new dates, he wrote. I appreciate everyone's patience while we work through everything. The Las Vegas Sun reports that as of March 9th, the rate of people to receive their first doses of the COVID-19 vaccine in the state of Nevada was nearly 16.5% and full vaccination almost 9%. James English, the COVID-19 response operations chief in Washoe County, the state's second most populous county, said he expected vaccinations to ramp up during the next couple of weeks. Now, it seems like perhaps <laughs> James has spoken to Rotella and has comforted him to the fact that 
Their efforts on vaccinating will achieve a 85% vaccination rate for the state populace by the time that EDC Las Vegas rolls around, 85% that being the threshold of a vac vaccinated populace that has to be achieved in order for it to be considered, quote, safe to gather in large groups. Um, now, I don't think that this is going to be possible, but it's interesting to note here that uh, the handling of this is essentially, we're gonna stay our course. If we have to cancel, we cancel, and we'll have postponement dates. Look, Rotella is a world-class event producer. Insomniac is a world-class production company. They will offer you refunds. They will offer you transferring of tickets. There really is no risk to anyone here. It's only gonna be a disappointment if it doesn't take place at the end of May, but likely it will take place this year. I have full confidence in Insomniac's ability to deliver a show this year. Steve Aoki on the future of digital art. NFTs are a juggernaut that cannot be stopped. The famed dance music producer, in a collaboration with renowned visual artist Antoni Tudisco, Aoki's debut Dreamcatcher collection was sold on Nifty Gateway, one of the NFTs industry's leading marketplaces, to former T-Mobile CEO John Legere. Aoki's team tells EDM.com that Legere forked over a record-breaking single auction price, 888,888.88. There's a lot of eights there. For a piece called Harry. Music has always been what my life is rooted in, but I've been a passionate collector of collectibles and various forms of art for as long as I can remember, Aoki said in a press statement. NFTs gave me an opportunity to finally merge art, collectible culture, and music in a way I've never been able to realize before. I had no idea what to expect when we started this project, so the feedback and response from the NFT community has been overwhelming to say the least. Odds are you found yourself in a Google rabbit hole recently as the NFT craze continues to erupt across the art sector. NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, are digital collectibles whose ownership is verified by blockchain technology, ensuring authenticity. The value of the item, which are purchased with cryptocurrency, namely Ethereum, lies in the inability to replicate, rendering them wholly unique to their owners. Quote, I do believe that this is where the world is going by any means necessary, Aoki continued. NFTs are a juggernaut that cannot be stopped. It will soon be normalized and be a structural pillar in our culture. If you're reading this now, you're early. Time to build, innovate, and disrupt the entire space. To find out more about the explosion of NFTs and their collision course with the EDM community, read the interview with the founders of Nifty Gateways by EDM.com. We've linked that in the show notes. Quote, in my opinion, EDM artists are the perfect fit for NFTs. They're very tech savvy and the demographics are very familiar to the kind of people who are buying NFTs, said one. They're well positioned to understand the technology because their careers are based around technology already. It's no real surprise they've taken to it like fish to water. Now, NFTs, these non-fungible tokens, my way of understanding them is when we think of rookie cards in sports. Now, rookie cards in sports were created as collectibles. And there were series of them, and they were limited editions, and they were very well crafted. So if you kept them in great condition, they would go up in value if the rookie became a legend. Uh, so let's take Michael Jordan's rookie cards. Any rookie card that was ever made for Michael Jordan is now 
valued extremely high. And those that were limited editions, or maybe were only one in history, are the ones that are the most expensive today. And if they're in great condition, they can go into the millions and millions of dollars. So this is similar here. Now, with the NFTs, music, art, all these things uh, can be essentially digitized. And I think it can also then be attached to some kind of benefit that there are also all sorts of other things you might be getting with the purchases of these NFTs. But essentially, your name is associated with them. They're non-replicable. And as they go up in value, you can then resell them to somebody else. So essentially, just like artwork, just like player rookie cards, that's how these things work. Well, the one dark side of these uh, NFTs is that it takes just like anything in the crypto community, it takes a huge amount of energy, that being electrical power, to generate confirmations that it takes to prove the validity of these NFTs. And every time you transfer them or sell them, all of this takes up a lot of electricity. This is actually a huge problem in the entire cryptocurrency and the crypto market. I'm not sure they're trying to find ways of making transactions greener. Ethereum is working on 2.0, their next version, and it's been in the works for a really long time. But all of these contracts and, and non-fungible tokens, a lot of them are built on the Ethereum blockchain. And that is incredibly energy intensive. And this is not sustainable. It's also not good for the environment. I don't think that this will slow down the NFTs growth. But it is something to consider if you are one that wants to buy NFTs, please also read up on their ecological harm that they're creating. And perhaps become part of the voice that, that calls for greener solutions going forward. We don't want to stop the progress of technology, but we certainly should have a hand in making sure that it evolves correctly. And finally, festival season 2021 is packed into two weekends. But is it realistic? Festival goers have recently been overwhelmed with a series of festival announcements ranging from lineups, festival updates and postponements. However, Many of the events moving forward this year seem to be taking place on the same two weekends, that being August 27th to 29th and September 1st to 3rd. Although dance music lovers and concert goers alike are excited to see the return of festivals, it seems that most of them will be faced with a difficult decision. Before the pandemic, dance music lovers would look towards a series of music festivals happening within a months-long period of time. Festival season typically consisted of a steady pace of events spread over the months that spanned early spring through to the fall. Miami's Ultra Music Festival, which was canceled in February, is known as one of the major kickoffs to the annual season. Thanks to the variety of dates, it's possible for festival enthusiasts to attend multiple events within one season. Unfortunately, it seems that this year's festivals will be taking place within a span of two weekends, which is crazy. Surely no one would have expected a huge clash like this. Before COVID-19, the only kind of clash festival attendees faced was intertwined set times for their favorite artists. Now, festival goers must choose which music festival they will attend for the short festival season. This would mean they'd be missing out on some other remarkable events within the dance music scene. Travel is also much less predictable than before, so you can't expect DJs to continent hop the way they used to. It's more likely that you'll see artists stick to the Americas or with Europe, but not both. The United States continues to see progress 
within the current pandemic as the vaccines continue to roll out. Most event organizers in the states are choosing to move forward with their summer festivals after President Biden predicted enough vaccines for every American by May. Although things are looking up, U.S. travel restrictions still remain in place. The most recent travel advisory requires travelers and U.S. citizens returning to the states to test negative for COVID-19 before bloating, before boarding a flight home. Tests must be taken at least three days before departure, which may prove to be an issue for delayed or missed flights. If departure dates are pushed, travelers must test negative for the coronavirus again before flying to the United States. This travel requirement may make it difficult for American festival goers to return home or outside attendees to enter the states. <clears throat> On the other hand, Americans looking to attend festivals outside the country may have trouble entering places such as Europe. On March 17th, the European Union banned foreign travelers to prevent the ongoing spread of the virus. There are plans for restrictions to end within the next three days, but the continued uncertainty doesn't make this any less concerning. If the pandemic has taught the world anything, it is that nothing is ever concrete and everything is at risk to change. Now, on a positive note, the vaccines are becoming more available in many parts of the world, but there is no guarantee that everyone will be vaccinated by August, let alone May. The United States is currently vaccinating certain age and health groups first and has vaccinated less than half of the population currently. According to Bloomberg, if everything goes to plan, it'll take at least five months to cover at least 75% of the population, and 85% is the magic number. In Europe, the UK is leading the race in distributing the most vaccines, but it is also waiting longer to administer the second dose. Other countries in Europe are distributing fewer vaccines, but ensuring each person receives the two doses. Although some countries such as Belgium, the UK and Germany are seeing the most people vaccinated, there is still uncertainty as to when there will be enough to reach herd immunity. Now, although most festivals plan to take place within the two weekends we've specified at the end of summer, the question still remains as to whether the pandemic will be under control within that time. With COVID-19 variants continuing to spread across the world, some vaccines are unhelpful. Recently, the states in the U.S. have begun to lift masks mandates, such as Texas, Mississippi, Montana, and Iowa. This move goes against COVID-19 guidance from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. As mandates begin to ease, health experts are concerned the progress already made within the states will be erased. Now, to sum it all up, is festival season taking place across two weekends realistic? Not really, but it doesn't mean it won't happen. The world continues to live in an unprecedented time where anything is possible. Although the unknown still remains, there is a bright light at the end of the tunnel. With the rollout of vaccines, the beginning of pre-COVID normalcy is just on the horizon. As to when it will happen, no one is sure just yet. Music festivals are sure to make their official return eventually. I know, everyone, this is a tough year for music festivals. Uh, my suggestion would be that you don't plan anything that requires lots of traveling because complications can arise both going and returning. However, if you're adventurous, just be safe. The other thing I would say is keep it local. That might be the best way to experience a music festival in 2021. Keep it local, make strong connections. And it, it, the bright side is also that musical talent that doesn't travel means that your local festival could have a large number of local artists that you might not have been able to discover because they would have never made the lineup. And the one sad thing about the festival industry when it was ripping and roaring in 2019 is that 
the travel uh, capacity of the top DJs that were touring was such that it really pushed out a lot of the new acts that could have had a chance. It, it was really hard to get a, 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 a time slot. However, it's no longer that case, and you might discover some amazing DJs out there in this new year. The one thing to keep in mind is to keep safe. Remember, we do all that we do in this pandemic to prevent the most vulnerable in our society from getting ill and dying. Do it for the most vulnerable. Do it for the people who are at risk. This is where human compassion is put to the test. And remember, it's all about the dance floor as well. We want to return to the dance floor. Let's make sure that we don't have super spreader events. Let's get vaccinated. Let's combat this. Let's get over the hump and get back to the dance party. See you on the floor. See you on the dance floor. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on another week's Festival Grasp. Make sure to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or via your chosen podcast collector, so you'll never miss us talking into your ears again. And while you're at it, if you find value in what we are discussing, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's like telling a friend about it, but better. And it gives us a chance in that big old world out there. I know we're just getting to know each other, but come on, show us some love. We're here for you. You're here for us. So let's do this thing. To sign up as an expert guest on the show, to leave us a question or message, or to jar tip your support, follow the appropriate links in the show notes. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to Deep Dives, our monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. This podcast edited by GBA Recordings. For me, Mario. And Shanae. See you next time. Bye.